I'm David. And I'm Lacey. And this is Life on the DL. Our friends and family are constantly asking us for our advice and opinions, which of course we'd love to share. And that inspired us to start this podcast, Life on the DL. In today's episode, we're sharing how we learn to effectively communicate as a couple with what I would consider to be drastically different personalities and communication styles. So I thought the best way to talk about this topic today would be to share our first date from each other's point of view. So David, do you want to start us off? Sure. Um, this is going to be a fun one. Yeah. So for our first date, we had dinner at Fleming's. At that time, my favorite restaurant in Austin. And we had agreed to meet at, I think it was like six o'clock. And so I got there a few minutes early and I was waiting and we met outside. Mm -hmm. And then walked in and our table wasn't ready. I think we were a little too early. So they... Um, invited us to wait in the cocktail lounge or in the lounge um, for a drink while our table was being made ready. Right. So I remember our first date pretty clearly, I think. So I went to valet my car and you were standing outside of the restaurant smoking. And immediately I thought, wow, this is so not going to go well. (laughs) (laughs) And that's because... Smoking is one of those deal breakers for me when it comes to dating. But anyways, I pretended it was fine. And we went into the bar and I ordered a cocktail, you know, to take the edge off. And I felt like the conversation was pretty easy at that point. And we were talking about usual first date things. How's your week so far? How is traffic? Etc. Now too. Add to that, that was I think I was nervous smoking because <laughs> I was actually yeah pretty pretty nervous. Um, once we got to the lounge, I think I slammed my first drink, which was an old fashioned, I think, because again I had some a little bit of nerves. I don't know how I didn't drink before I got there, but I had a drink and then I think within a few minutes had ordered the second one and then had that in my hand. Right. So once we were seated, I also grabbed another cocktail before we ordered dinner because I drank mine really quickly, too. Yeah, I think as soon as we both ordered and received our second cocktail, which was probably within five to ten minutes of being there, (laughs) they set our tables ready. So we went over, got our table, or it was a booth, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, First booth in the restaurant as you walk in into the dining area. And we sat talked a little more. You know, I was, again, nervous talking. I think when I get nervous, sometimes I talk a little too much rather than less. I think I have this reverse um, <laughs> effect on, on nerves. But um, we were talking and had, a, I thought, a pretty good conversation. <laughs> again, just your normal first date kind of conversation. And I believe we ordered um, like a seafood tower, I think, to start with. And we also, at that time, ordered a bottle of wine, which in hindsight really does explain why you were so chatty, David, because (laughs) we were pretty toasted 
probably by the middle of this date. Do you remember what kind of bottle of wine it was? Yeah, it was Silver Oak. Yes. I don't remember which year this one was. No, I don't. It was delicious. And I, I ordered a steak, of course, because it's Fleming's. It was probably the dry age strip or something like that. But all I remember, because I, I don't remember all the details, but I remember talking a lot <laughs> <laughs> and and not even finishing like you know the the majority of my dinner because I was talking so much. Right. So you were talking so much that I basically learned your entire life story. And I was barely able to even get like a reaction and like, wow, that's cool. How crazy. <laughs> Let alone share anything like about myself. Nervous talking. <laughs> yeah. So I think you talked more during our first date than you did during about the first maybe three months of our relationship. What do you think? I mean, I didn't think I talked that much, but I guess I did. I mean, how long were we there? We were, I think we were there combined for you know, hours. three hours. Yeah, yeah, it was hours. So yeah, I, I think I talked for close to the majority of those three hours. It makes these podcasts seem so short. <laughs> I know. I know. So yeah, you talked so much during our first date that if I were basing whether I thought you were an introvert or extrovert off of that alone, I definitely would have thought that you were an extrovert all of the time. But after that day, you were pretty quiet, I would say, and reserved during our day-to-day interactions. I, I think during that first date, I put like... And this may sound weird, but I put like a work face on, right? I was trying to get information out and I'm extroverted for the most part at work, but then usually I get it all out of my system. And then by the time I come home, I'm pretty much like tired, spent, and and I'm pretty introverted outside of work. And so I think, yeah, at least for that first date, I was like very much, I had a message and (laughs) what I wanted to deliver outlined and... (laughs) That's a perfect way to put that. What did you think about your first impression of me? What did you think I was? Weirdly, I thought you were pretty quiet, but still very outspoken in your beliefs or in, in your your reactions were pretty, pretty extrovert, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the reaction is that I was able to fit in. Yes. <laughs> but even in the ones that you were able to fit in, I was very um, kind of taken aback at some point and sometimes because um, not very used to such a kind of like a type A. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very vocal, very clear about uh, your, your thoughts and emotions. and. Yeah, I like to be very transparent about how I'm feeling when I'm feeling it. I don't like to keep things inside, but it's kind of funny because if anyone knows David or I, this whole experience is obviously very different than what you would expect from us as people. Yes. And, and part of what we wanted to talk about today was just that is how we learned to communicate effectively as a couple. Everything that we learned starting from that day one of our first date and how we both had to kind of shift or even modify our own communication styles based on each other 
the environment that we're in and, and the situations that we're in, which I, I believe most or a lot of us do. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And now I'd say that I think that you are more of an introvert with extroverted tendencies or moments like when at work or in high stress situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, uh, we both have, let's say, our natural communication styles. That It's our default. But like you said, it's, it's certain situations will bring out other types of or more almost an opposite communication mm-hmm. style. We, we both love making lists. I think in the past couple of podcasts, everybody can tell. And everything we do, we start off with a list. So we always always have to start off with a list. So four things or four steps that we took, whether it was on purpose or just Looking back, that's what happened, is these are the things that we did to improve our communication as a couple. So first, again, which started on the first day, was learning each other's communications styles through a lot of listening, more so than the speaking part. And it it just took lots of listening. I know some of the, not some, but almost every time we would sit and talk, I think your first questions were, tell me about X, Y, Z, tell me a story or, you know, mm-hmm. it was always like pulling, like you said, because after that first date, I probably didn't speak as much. So you had to pull it out. And every time yeah. there was this silence, you filled it with, tell me another story or yeah. tell me another fact about something. Yeah. Leading questions. So in my professional job, I'm pretty inquisitive as well. And it is required Based on what I do, like I'm coaching people day in and day out, trying to find the right information and asking powerful questions to get there. So I don't know if it's a good thing, um, but I do let that bleed a little bit into my personal life as well. So the second step is learn through experimenting. We experiment and try different ways of communicating. There's been times and situations where, amazingly, I've over-communicated, let's say. Um, I, sometimes I say that I think I, I've talked too much about something. I should have said less, um, not to hide anything, but just the over-communication. But then there's also times that we and I under-communicate, but it's those situations that we have to go through to realize what works, um, you know. But in general, I've learned over-communicating, <laughs> erring on over-communicating is um, definitely better than under-communicating. Yeah, I agree with that in most situations. And if you have some type of expectation in your mind about the type of communication your partner should have or something they should or shouldn't share with you, you have to make sure that your partner knows that you have that expectation. If you don't tell them, they don't know. And this would have prevented a few arguments in our past if I was more transparent about my personal expectations. So a couple examples of this are, you know, if you want your partner to let you know when they're leaving work and their ETA for getting home so you can plan dinner or when they arrive at their destination after traveling. So you don't worry about them, which is something that's really important to me. Um, David has to travel frequently for work. So I always like to know where he's at, that he's safe, and that way I'm not concerned and, you know, or worried about him and his safety. That's a good point. And I spoke about that in episode one, actually, in working from home as a couple, because if I was home making dinner, that clear communication 
with exception if there's, you know, traffic or things like that, but communication about when you're going to be home, um, what time or how traffic is even, or sometimes we were just on the phone. That really helped me not just know that you're safe, (laughs) you're on your way, but it also helped me plan out for dinner and knowing when to start cooking. So dinner would be relatively ready when you got home. Mm-hmm. Sounds like oh, the house husband. Yeah. <laughs> house husband. Yep. So once you've experimented and you've figured out what works and what doesn't, the third thing is to focus on strengthening and reinforcing those habits, those good habits of communication. You know, once you figure out and experiment what works, strengthen them. And you want this to become more of a second nature to you by continuously, you know, reinforcing these positive interactions between your partner and yourself. It's interesting because I play a lot on my psychology background and, you know, our learning cycles and how we as individuals interact with one another. So lastly, on a similar note, If you found any trends in your way of communicating that had a negative impact, you should obviously try to stop communicating in that way. I know when we're feeling really strong emotions, it can be hard to resist responding to texts with just K. And if you've received this message, you know what it means. Um, But I also know that you know, and I'm doing it intentionally, which doesn't really help either of us. I mean, there's times that, um, like I mentioned before, sometimes over-communicating doesn't work. You know, under-communicating might work. At least for us, I know there's been times where we, it might not be like a, a fight, a strong argument, but I've, I've also learned that when we're in those arguments, the more I push back, it's like the more you push back against it, mm-hmm. no matter what that argument is, it's almost like your non-willingness to lose the argument. <laughs> And so yeah. um, learning from that, sometimes if, if I have an argument or if I'm just upset or something, not that I stop talking, but I just take a pause for a few minutes and not right. communicate. And sometimes, uh, not sometimes, every time I do that, I think you get this talk to me. Don't ignore me. <laughs> right. It's in my nature to want to talk through everything. So when you disengage, that bothers me, but it also makes me realize that I'm being irrational and that I need to take a step back and figure out how we can better communicate during that time. And again, that's not to say stopping communication is not the way to go, for sure. We've gone through quite the journey to improve our communication as a couple And it's something that we are constantly working on and making an effort to stick to because we know it's essential to a positive and successful relationship. Agreed. In in the beginning, it was you constantly asking me, tell me a story here. Tell me something about yourself and pushing me to constantly communicate. Mm -hmm. And then over time, it turned to us, you know, taking long walks and just basically opening up and talking to each other, communicating. Right. And that's something that we still do to this day. Uh, We go on almost daily walks for a few miles. We don't talk on our phone. We're not texting. 
we're just engaging in that conversation about how we're doing, what we're feeling, or any topics that of our particular interests during that time. So right now, you know, we're preparing to go on vacation. So we've been talking a lot about that and the things that we want to do, but it's constantly changing based on, you know, what's going on in our lives. Vacation brings up a great point because we don't drive a lot, but for long drives for vacation or visiting family, one of the great tools that we use to just continuous, maybe just to keep us awake, but while we're driving is these things called table topics, as well as these conversation starter. Uh, We have a book that has, I think, like 3000 questions. Mm -hmm. All of that surrounds a bunch of different questions um, that we can ask each other, or it's a question that we ask and then we both answer. And even now when we're on the trips, there's a few questions that uh, we hear the answer to. We're like, wow, yeah, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you think, you know, by now we know each, know everything about each other. Right. I love that. That's one of my favorite things to do when we're on a road trip. It's something that I look forward to because the questions are so interesting at times. What are some that you can remember? They vary. Some are very simple. Like, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? What did you want to be when you were a kid? What did you dream about being? If you can meet one person who was alive or not in history, you know, who would that be? Um, if you can live in one country or city in the world, where would it be? Yeah, some of the topics are a little deep. And revolve around religion or politics and things of that nature and your beliefs as a person. So to wrap it up, how we can communicate more effectively as couples, our four-step journey starts with learning by listening first, experimenting with what works and what doesn't, strengthen and reinforce the positive habits, and lastly, Try to avoid the negative trends. Now, if you're struggling to effectively communicate with your partner, take a step back to really listen to what they're saying and how they're saying it to see if you can experiment with your own communication style and how you're asking your questions as well. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast networks with new episodes dropping every Tuesday. We'd love to hear your questions at Life on the DL on Instagram or email us at Life on the DL podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss out on our new episodes. If you love today's show, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you tune in.